welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. It took us a full year, but we finally managed to push 2020 into the history books and make way for what we all hope is going to be a much better year. So before we turn the page, let's try to analyze what 2020 meant for this region and this nation as we look from Jerusalem, the state of Israel. Joining us for this roundup from a community in central Israel is Ambassador Dania Yalon, who is Israel's former Deputy Foreign Minister and Ambassador to the United States. Welcome. Thank you. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Dr. Eran Lerman, who is the Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security and a lecturer at Shalem College in Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us as well. Good way to start the year. Indeed. And uh, Mr. Oren, uh, thank you for joining us here on the panel. Our TV7 analyst, Damir Oren. And I'd like to provide today a short recap. And, and to start with things, let's uh, focus initially on Israel proper. Where does Israel stand in 2020 with an outlook to 2021? So if there's one lesson um, we should all learn in all modesty here at the very heart of the land of prophets is that we cannot predict the future. Looking back a year ago, none of us uh, could have uh, foretold that this is how 2020 uh, will unfold uh, with COVID-19, which hit us in 20. And um, therefore, um, one uh, could say that uh, we all uh, have proven to be very vulnerable, very fragile, but that there was also um, some upside uh, to that in that uh, there was less of a conflict for Israel around it. If one looks at um, uh, the various fronts, most of them were relatively quiet, um, definitely more quiet than uh, in uh, usual years. But um, uh, mankind um, itself felt the tremors. Uh, Globalization is not what it was uh, advertised uh, to be. Um, Each nation found itself uh, having to lock down and sometimes uh, close its airports. Israel uh, uh, certainly did. And when all of that happened uh, in a year which uh, started with the killing of Qassam Soleimani and ended with the certification of uh, President-elect Joe Biden as the next uh, chief executive of the United States, Israel was in a political turmoil. Um, in which uh, it is still uh, struggling as we uh, speak now. So looking ahead to uh, uh, the uh, next 364 days of uh, 2021, we will probably see the juxtaposition of these uh, three uh, phenomena. The political problem that Israel is involved with, the coronavirus, which Israel is struggling with, health-wise, as well as economy-wise, and the security situation, which will, of course, uh, be influenced by the American-Iranian relationship, uh, along with others. Ambassador Ayalon, I'd like to uh, uh, ask you the same. Israel 
on a diplomatic level. Where does Israel stand? Of course, it's been a year of breakthrough with regard to uh, Muslim-majority states, uh, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. Uh, of course, Morocco and Sudan are also uh, uh, in this equation. But uh, where did Israel actually secure its position within the League of Nations? And uh, is this now going to continue into a trend of 2021? Well, Jonathan, uh, there's no doubt that uh, geopolitically and in, from a strategic outlook, Israel is much stronger today than it was in the beginning uh, of the year. And this is mostly because on the behest of all the uh, peace and normalization agreement with many of these uh, Arab countries, I believe this trend will continue. Um, and I'm sure that uh, the administration of uh, President Biden will push for that, as it is also uh, the United States' um, interest. To, to get here more stability, more predictability, and also to uh, isolate Iran. Now, uh, there is no doubt that uh, Biden is going to go back to the agreement, the JCPOA, but uh, hopefully this will be with uh, stringers uh, attached and Iran will have to, to give up a lot of the uh, very strong positions, intransigence positions that it had in uh, 2015. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Lerman, I'd like to ask you on a uh, strategic intelligence perspective of the situation. There were various uh, situations uh, uh, that uh, occurred surrounding Israel, also most notably the, the continued struggle with uh, the Lebanese Shiite organization Hezbollah, uh, the various uh, uh, Shiite-backed uh, militias, and also Sunni, if we're talking about Palestinian Islamic Jihad in uh, the Gaza Strip, which are directed by Iran that still pose a significant challenge for Israel. Uh, then we have also in Syria repeated attacks, uh, uh, some of which Israel uh, was uh, uh, willing to accept responsibility for, others uh, less so. Uh, give us a little bit of a, a previous 2020. How was Israel on the security lines and uh, what are the projections for 2021? Uh, actually, 2020 in terms of um, casualties in combat and terror was one of the best years in Israeli memory. It's paradoxical, of course. Uh, We're not going to remember this year fondly. We lost more than uh, 3,000 lives to the virus. But in terms of uh, life, and, and the year ended with a horrendous act of uh, what appears to have been a, a terrorist murder uh, of an individual, of a woman. But overall, overall, you're looking at the numbers. Uh, they, uh, this was a, a year in which we have reached some kind of a bizarre modus vivendi with the powers that be in Gaza, the, uh, what the UN calls the de facto government of uh, Hamas in Gaza under Yahya War, who, well, understood that they cannot uh, cope with the corona crisis without uh, some kind of uh, Israeli help and some kind of uh, um, uh, permission by Israel for guttery money and so on to come into Gaza. And that has procured for us a, a period of... Uh, uh, not, not without incidents, but uh, very minor incidents and uh, very, very low level of, of actual violence directed at Israeli, uh, the Israeli people. Um, the main ongoing conflict was indeed with Iran in, in Syria and some would say beyond. And I should say this is, was also the year in which um, 
the cyber war has escalated and continues to escalate and this is fast becoming a, uh, a fact of life that we all need to cope with uh, in the context of the, of the rivalry uh, with Iran. And uh, with the Iranians increasingly breaching all the remaining limitations under the JCPOA, 2020 will be remembered as the year that set up the great drama of 2021, which lies ahead. Will the Biden administration be able to impose restraints on Iran's nuclear program? Or shall we see a, a further destabilization and perhaps open conflict Indeed. in the region? Um, I would also say, as you mentioned, that, uh, uh, as, as uh, Ambassador Ayalon mentioned, that uh, the, all of this has led to a breakthrough, an unprecedented breakthrough, in bringing into the open what I've been calling for years the camp of stability and its inherent um, commonalities. Uh, Israel, the Gulf states, Egypt, Jordan, now Morocco joining in overtly, others less overtly, and all of this uh, in the context of two challenges, the Iranian and, the, uh, and that of uh, the um, Turkey's neo-Ottomanism, about which we have often discussed in the previous year. Mr. Oren, I'd like to uh, expand on uh, what uh, Dr. Lerman has said, and also uh, Ambassador Ayalon, uh, the, the Iranian front, of course, uh, is a significant challenge for the state of Israel. Uh, it doesn't uh, seem to diminish in 2021 with uh, the projections ahead. Nevertheless, uh, we do hear from uh, the Iranian regime speaking about uh, its adamant uh, resolve uh, to thwart any uh, options for the West to renegotiate the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action of uh, 2015. Nevertheless, we do hear the International Atomic Energy Agency Director General Glossy come out and say, uh, within the current capacity of Iran, within the realm of its uh, nuclear uh, development and, and project, uh, there is no alternative but to renegotiate such a deal. Are we uh, expected to see somewhat of a uh, continuity of 2020 from a Trump administration into a Biden administration still confronting such a deal? Or are we going to see uh, some kind of rapprochement with the aspirations of renegotiating something subtle? Well, there are two uh, levels here um, regarding your question. One um, is the... Uh, uh, amalgam of uh, substance or evidence and image. Threshold states such as North Korea some 25 years ago and Iran uh, more recently want to project their proximity to the bomb. It is not as if they were caught with their hands in the uh, cookie jar. They want the world to know that they are getting close and that if they are not um, going to be paid the right price, they might inch even closer or even uh, cross the uh, threshold. So um, what you just uh, uh, cited from uh, the IEA Chief Grossi, um, in fact, adheres to the Iranian playbook. They want the world to be aware that um, the world, the West, the, the uh, uh, powers, uh, uh, negotiating the JCPOA five, six years ago, should now renegotiate. On another level, we have the problem of domestic politics and the stabilization of governments 
in three places. First of all, in Washington. Uh, in four or five days, we will know the results of the uh, senatorial uh, runoffs in Georgia. We will know whether the Democrats will have uh, the majority in the Senate um, with the uh, um, vote of uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, or whether the Republicans will keep control of the Senate. This will uh, change the tenor of the next uh, uh, at least two years until the midterm elections of November 2022. If um, uh, Biden gets control of all uh, three uh, power centers, uh, the executive, the Senate, and the House, uh, he will be able uh, to assemble not only the, uh, time, the team of his liking, but also the policy. Next, you may have elections in Israel. We will know that shortly. And then in June, you have the elections in Iran. So the first half of the year may be spent by jockeying for power and within Israel, um, our two guests were members of the administration when Sharon was in power, when Paris was calling some of the shots, when Olmert and when Netanyahu. Uh, and it changes the relationship between the political echelon and the um, high echelon of the military and the security services and the foreign ministry. So we may or may not have unity of uh, effort between the politicians and the generals, or we may have um, another discord, uh, the sort of which we, we found out. Ambassador Ayalon uh, on the Iranian front. Well, there's no doubt that uh, the Iranians will, uh, I would say, they will try to raise uh, the, uh, the ante, if uh, I may say so, as a, um, as a defense mechanism against the, uh, any uh, pressure from the Biden administration, because right now there's no uh, secret that the Biden administration is, or the coming administration, uh, is trying to devise a very uh, sophisticated, I would say, uh, uh, policy uh, towards Iran. On the one hand, they would like to resume the JCPOA, but at the same time, they would like it on better uh, conditions. There is a lot of pressure, and I think this time Israel is in a better position because we have a uh, critical mass of pressure where Israel is not alone, where the Saudis, the Gulf countries, uh, Egypt, uh, Morocco, um, and, uh, and Jordan will join Israel in pushing the United States to uh, actually have much tougher uh, JCPOA or a new JCPOA. The Iranians, of course, as a uh, countermeasure in the bazaar, um, uh, I would say, politics of the Middle East will also uh, make it uh, harder. And at the same time, and this is where the crux of the, I, I think the matter is, at the same time, the Iranians will try to keep uh, pushing the envelope, uh, whether it's uh, in uh, Fordu, uh, whether it's in uh, Nantaz, which, uh, Natanz, which uh, they are getting more and more capabilities to position themselves in much better situation. Indeed. That may raise the, the risk for the region, and this may push Israel to be much more belligerent. So I think Iran will be the main tension point in the region and in the world. Dr. Lehrman, on uh, the defensive front, uh, if Iran continues 
to make uh, significant strides towards a, a nuclear weapon. And Israel views uh, the military option uh, as uh, the last result. Uh, do you think that uh, uh, all the options remain on the table at this stage, or is there still some progress between the diplomatic front uh, to uh, soft power, maybe some smart power in, in addition, or are we seeing a certain uh, scale back on, on the, the confrontation on the field? Well, uh, there probably is a path to a diplomatic solution, uh, but it depends on two major things. One is for the Biden administration to keep the very significant um, cards, very strong cards they have, uh, the immense economic pressure on Iran uh, in, at hand until the Iranians actually deliver on, uh, first of all, their commit back, uh, rolling back to the commitments under the JCPOA, and secondly, accepting that the negotiation will be about, uh, let's call it a G JCPOA plus, and sp specifically um, putting uh, the sunset clauses uh, as far uh, into the future as possible or, or none at all. In other, that was the most damaging, the most uh, destructive element of the JCPOA, the fact that uh, the entire system of limitations will expire soon. And that has to go. But in order for it to be uh, undone, uh, there needs to be immense leverage on Iran. Mm -hmm. And the second element that must be there, and you're right, is to have a credible military threat. I can almost, you know, shorten the CMT, a credible military threat, is a vital element, a necessary element. In uh, not only for Israel, because we, we don't know negotiations could also fail and we may have to face the need to act. But they are also of great importance for an American administration, um, both directly vis-a-vis -vis Iran and also indirectly in rounding up support from the rest of the international community because uh, the, the Russians, the Chinese, the, uh, the people uh, in Europe who uh, shy away from uh, um, taking serious measures vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran, all should, be made, all should be made to understand that the choice is not between the present situation and tough and, and, and uh, resumption or continuation of sanctions uh, until there is a good agreement. The choice is between that and, and, uh, and war, uh, between, between a hard line and war. And uh, having that uh, hanging over the entire situation actually could bring us to a successful outcome. Um, in fact, this was exactly the strategy of the Obama administration during its first term of office. Um, and I should say, when Hillary Clinton, in a very tough manner, uh, shepherded um, the UN relevant UN resolutions, this was all frittered away at the negotiating table uh, by John Kerry, uh, and his team is uh, is a sad story, but it does not have to repeat itself under Biden.
Indeed. Uh, Mr. Hogan, I'd like to move on to the next uh, uh, front that was uh, widely discussed during 2020, the Eastern Mediterranean. We had uh, various developments there, including Turkish uh, uh, EZ agreements with Libya, then an EZ agreement between Greece and uh, Egypt. Then we saw different altercations uh, that uh, didn't immediately deteriorate into a military confrontation, but uh, much rhetoric going back and forth between Europe and Turkey. Israel is, of course, in the middle of all of this, uh, speaking about uh, the Eastern Mediterranean Pipeline Agreement, the e, uh, uh, East Mediterranean Forum, which uh, Israel, of course, has a very significant stake in. Where do we stand in 2020 and what are the projections for 2021? You can look at it um, either top-down or bottom-up. Top-down, looking uh, from the global strategic level, um, peering into the Mediterranean. And uh, the uh, most important uh, fact is that uh, Biden is going to uh, reinvigorate the alliance with the Europeans uh, uh, within within NATO. And and, um, because... um, um, Biden and his administration uh, would like to find common ground with Europe. Uh, it will have an impact on their regional policy, but Europe itself uh, will have uh, to put its house uh, in order because, for instance, vis-a-vis Libya, France and Italy are at loggerheads. Uh, each uh, supports uh, another party in the uh, conflict. And the wild card is Erdogan. We don't know uh, whether Biden and Erdogan uh, will have a truce. Um, coming into office, it doesn't look like that, but uh, enemies uh, sometimes become, uh, if not uh, friends, at least uh, partners in, uh, in an armistice. And um, everything we are saying now um, is um, uh, premised on all other things being equal. We are talking as if we know uh, whether the regimes will stay. For instance, in the Palestinian community, whether Mahmoud Abbas will survive the year, or whether in Syria, which is uh, very germane to your question, whether the Russians will impose some sort of um, an Assadist peace. If they do, Russia will become a major power in the Eastern Mediterranean. Indeed. Uh, Ambassador Ayalon, I'd like to ask you on on this front, on a diplomatic level, of course, uh, to what degree do you see the current situation in the Eastern Mediterranean evolve? also considering the fact that uh, it's not only the Israeli lobby that is currently uh, working uh, extensively in Washington in order to secure uh, its uh, national security interests, but also the Greek one, which is not less uh, weak uh, when we're talking about the Democratic Party in particular. Uh, The Greek lobby in Washington is quite significant and could pose uh, Turkey many challenges uh, in uh, 2021. How do you see this uh, actually develop? Well, Jonathan, just as Israel uh, emerged much stronger on its um, eastern, southern flank with all the, the new alliances that we have with the Gulf countries and, and more, uh, also on our western front, we are much stronger today with much deeper um, collaborations and cooperation with uh, Cyprus and, uh, and Greece. Uh, in that uh, respect, this uh, is going to be a um, almost an iron wall against any um, expansion 
that Erdogan and Turkey might try to do, as, uh, as, uh, as we mentioned. I think that uh, this may also um, strengthen Israel's hand when in the negotiation on the economic uh, um, water uh, negotiation with uh, uh, Lebanon. Um, and to that uh, extent of Israel being uh, much uh, uh, tougher on this uh, front, uh, Israel was very uh, glad to expose its new uh, vessels that uh, we received from uh, Germany, which uh, uh, has a dual purpose. First of all, to help uh, um, defending our, um, of course, installation, our gas installation in the Middle East, of uh, in Tamar and Leviathan, but also as a way to deter Turkey or any other uh, foreign and um, adverse uh, uh, forces. So I think here they will have to be some kind of intervention from the superpowers, whether it's the United States or even uh, Russia, that can curb, on the one hand, uh, Turkey's uh, dangerous uh, policies, and on the other hand, try to negotiate some kind of a modus vivendi in this uh, region of the eastern Mediterranean. Dr. Lerman, you have less than two minutes uh, for your analysis. Two, two very important uh, uh, elements in 2020. Because the relationship with Greece and Cyprus have been, has been built up already uh, in earlier years. But what we saw now, first of all, uh, the closer relationship with Egypt, at least at the presidential level, at the leadership level, the, pe the people of Egypt still have uh, serious uh, gaps in their understanding of Israel. But at the leadership level, we saw Egypt welcome the Abraham Agreement, welcome the Moroccan breakthrough, increasingly uh, looking to Israel as an ally in the Eastern Mediterranean, and of course the establishment, the final establishment of the EMGF, the Eastern Mediterranean Gas Forum, as a uh, re internationally recognized regional organization. That, this is uh, an, an amazing development. By the way, it includes the Palestinians. Amidst all the crisis with the Palestinians, here we are sitting at the same table together in a regional structure. Uh, the second element, which is new, is the uh, um, intervention of France quite forcefully in support of the Egyptian position, in support of the Greek position. It links up with the debate on the future of uh, uh, the struggle against Islamism, which Erdogan supports in some fashion, and Macron has positioned himself, of course, uh, at the end of the year he was struggling with uh, with the coronavirus uh, personally, but uh, politically he has positioned himself uh, alongside Sisi and others uh, in the struggle to uh, beat back the uh, virulent, uh, let's say, virus, intellectual virus of Islamism within the Muslim communities in the region and in the diaspora. We will have to uh, wait for 2021 or at least uh, uh, to see the future. Uh, which uh, has started today. But uh, I'd like to thank all of you, Dr. Lerman, Ambassador Ayalon, and Mr. Oren for joining me in today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. Have a happy new year, and we will see you again next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.